Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Fam, Friends, and Magic, a Magic the Gathering podcast brought to you by Swagoy Gaming. My name is Bill Grennan. Everyone calls me Brasky, and today I am joined, as always, by the mighty Linguini, Caroline Cavanaugh, and this time, welcome back, everybody, to the podcast, in extraud, Nick Price. What's up, fam? Hello. What's up? Hey. Is this our first repeat guest? I think I think this is our first like repeat guest to the podcast. I mean, it makes sense seeing as as they are a member of Team Swagoy, but also might have done a few things in their past. Nick, how did how did you get here? Who let you in? <laughs> oh well, um, I just clicked the link in our Discord and I just found myself in this uh, recording room. That's so a lie. I- There's a password. <laughs> it's not oh, but the password is like was really easy to figure out. I, I I got it on the second try. It's true. Yeah, one two three four is really not the most secure passwords. We really got to work on that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Neither is the word podcast. It's true. It's very true. Yeah. So you know, f- folks, if the if anyone wants to be a, a a random guest star on the Friends and Magic podcast, just make sure to always go to. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to give you the link because that that would be hilarious, but also probably ridiculous all at the same time. If we just let random guest people join in. Not let them know when we're recording, but just people just just click into the link and just be like, hey, maybe they're maybe they're recording right now. And then we'd let them in. You know, you know, we would. And we'd like let them talk about whatever magic stuff they would want to do. Yeah, I'd be kind of down for that. Actually. <laughs> Great. We'll we'll do a special episode where we just send out the link and the password to the podcast <laughs> recording spot. And anyone who jumps in at that point, we just talk to them. And then who knows how long the episode's going to go. But I think that's going to be some brilliant content. Do you know what? There's actually a podcast I listen to called Reply All, like a non-magic podcast. Yeah. And every so often they do call-in shows where they, they you can make a phone number, you can make a 1-800 number kind of easily. So they make a 1-800 number and then just sit on the air, well, a recorded podcast, and just take calls. And some of their best episodes are from the on-the-air episodes, so... Maybe like, you're onto something. I like this. I think we might have found our next episode, Nick, is just to is just gather anyone who's ever been on a Fam Friends and Magic podcast episode, and then mm-hmm. we open up the link to anybody, and we kind of have someone maybe could screen them, screen the calls a little bit. Nope. No, no, <laughs> no screening. Uh, no screening so. whatsoever. Okay, cool. We'll take anybody, all, all anyone who wants to talk magic and come onto the podcast, and we'll just sit here for like two hours and record what we record. I mean, as long as I'm not editing the the file after that's that's your job i think yeah it's either it's either minor conan hawks so we'll both we'll probably have to tag team that one at the end of it he'll he'll take like the first 30 minutes or one hour and just be like i can't i just can't do it anymore it's like great i'll finish this thing out but i'm not you know if if we're gonna let randos into the podcast to talk about anything everything magic or otherwise we should also talk about how our week in magic was and that's what i want to know how our meek how our week in magic was. I cannot pronounce words properly, but hopefully I can play cards properly. Caroline, how was your week in magic? So my week in magic was pretty good. I didn't play a lot of competitive magic. I think I might have queued up for an SCG. Uh, The past week has included two holidays. I don't know if they count as holidays. (laughs) Thanksgiving and then the Friday after Thanksgiving. (laughs) Um, And while I live in Canada, I do work for an American company, so I did have both days off. Uh, and I used those days wisely by testing for the next part of our topic, which is the Zendikar Rising Championship. And I have never spent so much time in a Discord call in my life um, and never made so many different decisions depending on the day or hour or minute of my life. <laughs> um, so that was fun. And I don't want to go too much into it, but it was, yeah, we spent a lot of times in a Discord, uh, in Arena, um, testing magic. 
that that sounds both like intense but also fantastic all at the same time like if that's oh, it, yeah. that's how we're going to spend our time that's a great way to spend our time i think so it's so fun yeah my weekend magic was was actually kind of kind of ridiculous so i i ended up you know being the more casual player here i was like focusing on playing i've been playing a lot of commander and doing a lot of things over spell table and and actually a few friends like in in uh in my distinct bubble of COVIDness that also played the game. But I, I found that uh, Amazon actually had a little price kerfluffle on collector's packs of magic uh, of Commander Legends, and they were selling it for like 180 bucks for the span of like maybe 20 minutes. And I said, yeah, sure, I'll do it. And so I picked up a box of it and uh, ended up opening a foil borderless mana drain and a foil borderless hull breacher, which are possibly the two most expensive cards in the entire set. So I post them to a buy, sell and trade group. And I had someone say, Hey, I want those cards. I was like, cool. I'm down with giving you these cards. Do you have something I want? He says, yeah, I think so. And he shows me like, he looks at the list of stuff I want to do. Shows me that he has this entire like bookcase full of commander staples that we basically just spent a few hours going through and ended up doing a huge trade. And so I gave them two cards and I basically took away somewhere in the realm of almost about like 110 cards of just amazing commander stuff, stuff to put into my, you know, to put in my commander decks, use otherwise. And it just kind of goes to show that ever since like jumping into this paper side of things and finding digital ways to engage in paper magic, I haven't played arena. I don't think in like the last maybe two weeks. But I've still played maybe more Magic than I've played in maybe ever all at the same time. It's been an interesting thing knowing that we're going through a pandemic. And I'm just like now itching and chomping at the bit for this pandemic to be over so I can find opportunities to play more Paper Magic with folks. Wow, that's super cool. I love that about Because we tried to get you to go to a Grand Prix last year and you were not about it. It's true. I was not about that life. I was like, logistics aren't going to work. I can't play anything, that kind of stuff. Not at the very least, I can play, I can bring a couple of commander decks to the, to the table and enjoy like some of the side events, but who knows? Maybe like someone wants to, you know, lend me a standard deck or a, or a, or a modern deck that I have no idea how to play. I think just for posterity at some point, we should, you oops, all spells right now. Yeah. When we have, when we have, (laughs) uh, when we have like in-person events again, knock on wood, uh, I, I just want one of my friends to meet me at, at that, that PTQ or that Grand Prix or the Magic Fest or whatever it is, hand me a deck, tell me the format, and I just go. Doesn't matter. It's like, hey, what, what, are, we do, what are we playing right now? You're playing Legacy. Cool. Don't care. Let's do it. And I'll jump in with, I have no idea what the deck does. I just know I have a lot of artifacts and these zero-cost spells, and I'm holding them back for value. Love it. Yeah, absolutely. And what I would love to know is how Nick's Week in Magic was. Nick, how was your Week in Magic? Uh, well, given that I'm the first repeat guest on this podcast, I think my, my Week in Magic was pretty good, despite what Caroline might say in the theme chat. <laughs> um, That's not what happened. Well, I, I nearly wasn't invited to the podcast today. Um, I only finished fourth in the 2020 Season 1 Magic Online Championship Series event. Yeah, um, I was pretty proud of it. I said that I would win the mocks. I didn't. I got invited to this podcast anyway, so I'm really grateful that you that you folks still had me over. Yeah, I gotta I gotta say though, let's not let's not poo poo on it. You finished fourth in the mocks, and you know I I was I was lucky enough that uh, my weekend was was as such that I could put it on and just always keep tabs on what was happening and keep and kind of watch the games as they happen and watch everything else happen on God. Like 
it was it was awesome to see like a full day of coverage around just a handful of players. One of them I knew. So here I'm watching like magic coverage with the usual like magic covers coverage people. Like I'm watching Maria Bartoldi talk about my buddy Nick Price that's up there and playing all these different decks. I was like, oh my goodness. And so give us a little bit of the rundown. Like what was the format? What ended up happening? Like what'd you play? Yeah, so regardless of where I finished, I think the event and the coverage were, were incredibly well run. It was just such a fun event to be a part of. So the Mox event had a pretty weird format um, structure. I mean, the formats were modern and limited. Um, eight players, uh, six rounds. So you, we started the day off by doing a Zendikar Rising draft. And um, we played all three rounds, but the, the 3-0 player from that pod uh, was the first finalist. And then we all came back and played three rounds of Modern. Uh, and the winner of that pod was the second finalist. So there was a weird quirk where if you went 6-0, if you won all the rounds, you were just the champion. There was no more final round. Um, but as it happened, um, I went zero. Uh, I went 1-2 in the draft portion, not particularly close. Um, I went 2-1 in the Modern portion. And the, the best part about that is I was one win away from making the finals. I lost a really, really close, interesting match uh, on coverage to an Italian player who eventually made the finals and finished second in the event. So I really enjoyed it. Um, props to Randy Dealer and I, I think uh, Athena and that whole crew for, for putting out such an amazing, um, engaging event. Yeah, talk a little bit about that that one match because there was a couple matches in that modern uh, spot when, when I was watching the modern section of, of the day where uh, you're playing uh, Omnath Control is what they listed it as, mm-hmm. that has the ability... Yep. To go from, oh, nothing's happening, oh, this poor guy, oh, they're going to lose this match, to all of a sudden, oh, oh, they're popping off, they're going to win, they're looping, they're taking extra turns, they're doing a whole bunch of other things. And that that did happen in one of your matches, and then it almost happened again in another one that ended up being like really, really close. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, my friends like to say that I, I live in the corner cases, and, and I love setting up weird plays, like turns in advance. And I think the Omnath soup deck um, is sort of the best deck to play in modern when you when you're into stuff like that i played the version with time warps instead of what other i was the only player playing time warps everyone else who played omnath soup um was playing uh, our promise and i think it worked out for me because i felt like i had an edge in the mirror i love it and then it's it's such an interesting thing to me and caroline i would love your insight on this like if there was a way to continue on doing competitive events and i know a lot of competitive magic is like great we're gonna do standard we're going to do historic it's either one or the two that kind of thing and and maybe who knows later on there might be some mixing up of the formats but how would you feel about something where there's a competitive event in the covid times where we're doing a mixture of limited and constructed play where you have to really show your skills in both to to you know make the top eights and and really find yourself in in some cash situations oh you mean like pts of the past (laughs) what no go on but really I mean, there's been a lot of discussion about this. Like BDM tweeted out yesterday, you know, it, you know, give me some ideas of, of what a, a tournament would look like if I was to run one today. Because BDM is famous for kind of running some of the first ever Magic tournaments. Um, and one of the takeaways from his tweet was like, people are digging limited. Like they really, really want a limited format. Um, and I actually really like the Mox format. I actually think Mox, uh, Nick's Mox format is cooler because I could practice really well in modern and then just like hope for the best in limited and that would be Mm -hmm. cool for me um whereas like 
old PTs, you re- you can't really let limited go. Like they're six of your rounds. They're usually starting off your day both days. So you can't really let it go. Um, but I, yeah, I could see it, it fitting. Um, there's a, something else. The Another idea is just having like four different tournaments that all lead into one top eight. So um, like you have a champion that comes from the limited tournament and a champion that comes from the modern tournament. And then they all play a, a format together at the end. That's like kind of something that you could do too. There's lots of spaces for this, by the way. You can. The world is our oyster as long as MTG Melee is around. <laughs> yeah, like um, even though it looked like a single Elim tournament, it looked like only the two players who went 3-0 in each pod would get to the finals. Every match was actually such a... It, every match, there was so much on the line. Even if I went 1-2 in draft, it was actually that win in the draft portion that pretty much secured fourth place for me. If I had if I had lost that one, I probably would have finished uh, in the fifth to eighth slots, which would have gotten me uh, like two point five k less than than I got for finishing in fourth. So like I was excited, I was stressed out the whole time, and it, I just really love the way that they structure that. And I hope I get to compete in for in events like that again. Yeah, even from the perspective of like watching Twitch chat or, or some of the you know, communications I was seeing on Twitter, especially from folks who are primarily arena players or that's how they were introduced to the game was through arena was folks like, you know, not commenting on the, uh, the interface of magic online, but a lot of folks saying, Mm -hmm. Oh wow. It's really cool to see. Like, this is really awesome to see limited and modern to see these two different formats being played. I really hope they do this again at some point, which is why I am really looking forward to the next magic world championships being historic brawl. For two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, I think that's what that's that's no. what, that's what this leads no. to. Right? No, that's next no. one. No, no. I'm almost positive that's yeah. Welcome our Galta Primal Hunger Overlords as we uh, go into historic brawl for the next Magic World Championships. That's that's I think we're all on board. We're all feeling great about it, and uh, there's no argument, uh, top to bottom at all. And the other thing that we're not going to argue about is what is coming up in the week of Competitive Magic, which is where we will talk about a little bit of the rundown of other events that you might want to participate in as we have the great theme music from Caroline Kavanaugh, who will also be giving us the rundown of this week I will? Magic. Yes, you will be. I knew that. <laughs> okay, so um, coming up this week, there's actually not a ton um, in open events and that might be why our third topic or our main topic i should say will be coming up but the actual tournaments that you can participate in this weekend are the scgs this is their third week at one of their um kind of newer style of ptqs or zen or championship qualifiers i don't know whatever the heck they're called um so friday and saturday there are satellite events i think there's usually eight total four on friday four on saturday they range throughout the day throughout the um time zones they are five bucks entry six rounds of varying degrees of records make it into the final event which is on sunday um including four two or better um some combination of these records get the skip the ladder qualification um which we talked about in depth on our previous episode so go and listen to that and then on sunday is a good old-fashioned um ptq as we will call them forever in our lives um and that will be usually around nine rounds of the cut to top 12 not a cut to top eight for some reason. Um, and that is happening Sunday. They start very freaking early on Sunday morning at 7 a.m. So yeah, <laughs> good luck if you choose to do those. Uh, there's also, it looks like Mythic Society, there's not an event this weekend, but they have solidified their December schedule. 
Um, so you should check out their Twitter for details. But uh, highlights include Sunday, December 20th is uh, their set roulette. Um, I think it's like, gosh, at this point, it's probably their 10th set roulette tournament. Um, and then on Sunday, December 27th is their or their Arena Community Cup, and it is historic, the best format. So uh, they also, of course, have their weekly events and all that. But those are kind of the two ones you'll want to write down in your little day book there, uh, December 20th and December 27th. Um, in terms of what else is happening that you can watch this weekend, uh, nothing. That's it. Cool. Um, just kidding. Over on twitch.tv slash magic on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, um, anywhere after 9 a.m. Pacific, you can watch the Zendikar Rising Championship. Um, this is the Pro Tour equivalent tournament that we currently have access to. It's the, the higher level play tournaments um, that have... This is actually the first one of their proposed new plan until COVID is finished. So you know, for the past couple of months, you've probably heard a large variety of these special tournaments with varying names like Grand Finals and PT Finals and Mythic Championship Makeup Event, like Mox 5 and Mox 12 and all, all of these random titles have been thrown at you. And that's literally, it was just so much cleanup. All of Watsi and Wizards and all the organizers is like, we have all these loose ends. Let's get all those tournaments done. And in all of that mumble jumble, there was announcements, but they were buried and confusing, that the new organized play system is a qualif or multiple qualifier weekends or multiple tournaments and award uh, entries into a, something called a, a set championship. And the set, in this case, is Zendikar Rising. Um, and the championship event is this weekend, uh, December 4th through 6th. And they'll, be, uh, they'll start all this again, starting... Um, actually, the week after, December whatever, is the Caldeheim uh, Championship Qualifier. There we go. I got there. Um, that's the first one in December, and then there'll be one in January and February, leading to another championship in March. And that's just the plan going forward. Three to four qualifiers, one large PT-style event, rinse and repeat. So we are in the beginning of that. Um, and these, for, for all of the information I just said, if you wanted to ignore all of that and just know, these are the first tournaments that are going to start qualifying both into other tournaments of its kind. So if you do well in the Zendikar Rising, you'll, do, you'll get to play in the next one, which hasn't happened all year. It's kind of important. And it's also your first opportunity to maybe qualify for the Rivals League of 2021. So these are the first two, these are the first times that there's ever been any sort of like leapfrog um, thing brought back into organized play. They really cut it out all over the year and even last year, to be honest. So this is kind of a reintroducing of that. And I think if you don't care about anything, but you're interested how to chain things together, that's like a key thing to know. So, yeah, yeah. I, it's, it's really cool to see that like... I, I, I saw the tweet come out from from Magic Esports about this as well, and they were also just being like, "Okay, now that we've gotten through all that, let's clean everything up. Let's take a look ahead at what's putting at what's coming together and where we can start from." And that really is the Zendikar Rising Championships, and uh, you know, it's two hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars on the line. Both y'all gonna be competing in it as well. And oh, really? Oh, what? No, what? Go on. I. I Breaking I, news. I was going to ask. Yeah, no. Watson out to me. Yeah, they reached out to me personally and said, hey, Brasky, you get to let both Nick and Caroline know they're competing at this. I said, oh, do I get to compete at it too? And they said, 
you get to let Nick and Caroline know they're competing at this. I said, great, fantastic. So congratulations. There's your news. I get to let you know right now uh, that you're going to be competing in the Zendikar Rising Championships. So you have exactly less than minus one negative day to submit your deck list for this because deck lists have already been submitted for it in a lot of different ways. And it's going to be interesting. It's going to be really cool. It's a, you know, it's, it's, it's a session. It's a set championship. So there's $250,000 in a prize pool on the line, $15,000 to first place along with a, a lot of other goodies, just participating in the freaking thing to start with. But the, the format of the thing is really, really interesting because it's kind of a mix between both, uh, standard and historic. Is that right, Caroline? It is. Good job. Yeah. And so you're going to be, you're going to be like the first chunk of games are going to be in one format. The second chunk of games is going to be in another format. You can then find out if you move on to day two from there, but it's, I, I like it because it, it, you know, as we talked about a little bit earlier, it makes you focus on more than just one format, even if they're both constructed and there's no limited format with it, you still have to kind of dip your toe into both into both formats to really get a feel for the rounds. So in day one, rounds one through three are historic, rounds four through seven are standard, and then day two, if you get four wins, you go into day two, and then next rounds are historic, and then the last rounds are, uh, are constructed before you go to top eight. So you really have to be versed in both formats. You have to be ready for that kind of pressure of participating in this kind of event at the same time. And what I want to know is how are y'all feeling about it, and what in Good God's name, you're gonna what decks you wanna play going into this format. Nick, <laughs> how you feeling? What you doing? Uh speaking of being well versed in both formats, um given that that I spent the last couple of weeks preparing for Modern and Zendikar Rising Draft for the for the Mox event, I played zero matches of my standard deck before I submitted it, and about three matches of my historic deck. So I submitted Mono Green Food for standard and Rakdos Sacrifice for Historic. Now it sucks that I didn't didn't get to play these decks much before submitting them, but I am part of a pretty interesting and skilled testing team, and I think uh, they got there with the deck list. So I'm pretty excited to start playing the decks this week and hopefully win the event and be able to, to tell the story in my winner's interview that I had zero experience with the deck before I submitted it. Now, is this something where you... Is this something where you're completely... Rely and this is kind of also goes back to having... Uh, you know, groups of friends and folks that you want to test with. Was this something that you were just focusing completely on modern and limited and you told all the folks at Sugoi and all your other testing folks that you were just like, hey, pick me some decks. I put my complete trust in you. And then now you're going to focus on playing those decks. Or was there something else where you had some input of like, here's what I like to play. Here's what my strengths are. Like, you know, that kind of thing. No. Yeah, you're right. You got it. <laughs> I will say that that the only contribution I made to my to my team's deck list was that I tried to debate one of my testing partners for an hour about whether we should play the first gutter bones in our Rakdos sack list or the third stitcher supplier. And I didn't even succeed at that. We ended up submitting three stitcher suppliers. There were no gutter bones in the deck. Wait, I thought you told me that you played a match where you put four gutter bones and they were really bad. Yeah, that's it. Like I, I tried to contribute something to the testing process. You and I contributed didn't... that it was bad. <laughs> I okay, okay. That's thank you. Thank you for framing it that way. So I'm not teasing you. That's good I'm data. Not, you contributed really good data. You. That's actually good. Like if you have an idea, and then just because it's bad does not mean you did not contribute. Trust me. Okay. I know because when we talk about me, you'll hear I had lots of bad ideas. <laughs> Listen, I, I remember way. I remember way back when, just a couple months ago. Uh, working through some standard some standard historic decks with Nick and just looking through his list, 
and he was playing either mono green or or playing gruel at the same time and me just like literally spewing out any of the timmy ideas that i had of like what if you played this what if you threw this in there what if you threw this gigantic beast in there as well and at one point i was like what if you threw kogala the ape in there because it destroys oh. artifacts it does all you like that things. ape? yeah you like that card okay because there's sorry what was the that card the Kogla the ape, the the the, okay. the, the king. You said yeah. something different a, a few seconds ago, <laughs> so I I call it Kogla, but you called it like Kogala. I, I always think that there's it. another A before the L in there, so I was like Kogala, Kogla, Kogak. I'll just try to like zipper Kogla, the ape. I think it's really important to note whenever I make fun of people's pronunciation of magic cards, it's because I have really bad pronunciation of everything. So I'm always joking. Like, I do not actually know if it's Gogola. I'm just telling you you're wrong. But no, oh, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> well, and you're wrong because I'm I'm correct in how I pronounce things. But the point being was the fact that, like, I could make a ridiculous, I, I, not ridiculous, I could make my outsider's opinion of tech cards to put into a deck. And what I love about Nick is that Nick will never look at one of them and say that's dumb. He'll go, all right, let's take some time to think about the pros and cons of putting this card into the deck and then go through it and test it out and put it through its paces and then come back and say, this was a bad idea because X, Y, and Z. And that's why I was like, great. Awesome. Which is why I love that. The fact that you can just say, Hey, I can throw this over to some folks. I can trust in my testing team to say, give me some decks that you think are, are that I should play. And now you've got your, you've got your decks ready for the championship. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I, that's not to say I won't be contributing. Like, I have made myself available this entire week to work outside more plans and stuff. I just really felt like I should focus on the the Mox event because the EV on that one was, I don't know, orders of magnitude higher than than what I could expect to get from the, the Zendikar Championship. So I, I'm just excited to play more Magic this week. Yeah, and that's part of what being a part of, like, what kind of playing in that team, what, you know, what friends in Magic are all about. It's like you had to focus on those things. So you had a group of friends and magic to back you up to help you prepare for the other event, which is fantastic. And then Caroline, on your end, you've got, you know, you're getting ready to jump into these championships as well. And I, something tells me you spent not an inordinate amount of time going through all the different possibilities of what you want to play for this event. Uh, sort of. I, okay, so I'll give you the rundown of what I did. So I was pretty fortunate enough to um, trick some people into letting me test with them. So did you good. like? Did you like leave a box it, with like with like a no. mythic underneath it, and the second they like go to pick up the mythic, you pull the string and you caught them? Pick up that yeah. magic card, okay. Caroline. Which, which up and comers did you test with this time yeah. around? Yeah, here here's the trick. Here's the trick. If you ever want to do something, you ask someone to do it before you solidify the actual condition. So for example, like, like, hey, will you do this thing for me if this happens? So you, so I said, hey, can I test with you if I win the VML? But I hadn't won yet, so it's easier for them to say yes, because it's like, she probably won't win, it's fine. <laughs> it's a free roll. <laughs> so yes, always trick people. So I tricked some up-and-comers like uh, Matt Nass and Paulo Vitaldama de Rosa and some other friends into testing with them. And they are that um, it's, it's it's awkward. Like it's yeah. Sometimes it's hard to like tell people who they are. They're just not really anyone. So gotcha. They're are they good? Names. I think so. Okay. Cool. Awesome. Well, yeah. it seems like you have a great group of friends. Um, yeah. So I tested with uh, our team was Matt. Oh gosh, I'm worried about. Let me pull up the Discord. Okay, make sure I got this right. Okay, so it was Matt, 
um, BK, who I've lived with uh, in Denver. Sam was not qualified for anyone following along at home. So he was there, though. But he was Dagger. not qualified. <laughs> um, so it was Matt and or sorry, Sam and BK. No, oh my gosh, Matt and BK. Um, and then usually they test with Paulo um, and Mike Sigrest. So that's kind of the general crew. Uh, oh, and uh, Ben Whites. That's you know part of their original. I've been to pro tours in conference room with these crew of people. And then generally the other people that join does vary depending on tournament and time zones and such. Um, but this time we were joined by uh, ben white's roommate sam sherman we were joined by a bunch of uh czech players so we had um oh now i'm worried some of them okay well whatever <laughs> andre was there um uh, and martin juza was there and yvonne who is not czech but it's okay <laughs> don't tell him i said that um and then i think that's pretty much it yeah, so it was, it was a quite a wide span of uh, time zones. <laughs> so the majority of testing, I think, happened like early, uh, early evening for me. It's so like four or five o'clock. That would be peak. Like the Eastern Europeans were still on generally like later at night. And then um, I was like just getting off work. So that was like kind of the only time that we would overlap. But otherwise, they were, they were always around. Um, the first thing we really did was talk about historic and delve into what we even cared about in historic and what like uh kaladesh options there were so the early meetings talked about there's some was pr some pretty wild decks tested if you want to hear them give us speaking the rundown of, speaking of bad ideas <laughs> so one thing i proposed after playing on a ladder i found this black red aggressive deck in historic that played like knight of the evolution um uh scrap heap scrounger scourge of the skyclave is like the death shadow card um, Rotting Register and Embercleave. So I'll let you kind of paint a picture of what was happening there. Um, and I actually really liked that deck and I worked on it quite for some quite time, quite for whatever. I worked on it. <laughs> it's going well. This is going great. Um, and unfortunately, it beats Sultai, but not any other creature deck. <laughs> this is what happens when you're taking like 12 of your own life points away. So uh, yeah, that was fun. And then some other crazy things that people worked on. There's a lot of like mono blue Karn lists floating around or sometimes there are blue green Karn lists they all evolved around matt nass and then that all evolved around paradox engine um which is when you cast it is it a spell i think when you just cast a spell you untap everything yeah so you could just you could go infinite but it was quite convoluted um there was also mono brown decks which is like mono colorless decks and they more revolved around Forsaken Monument, which is also a five mana legendary <laughs> artifact, but it does something different. Uh, that one you gain life when you cast a colorless spell. And it's also a mana doubler. Mana doubler, just all like they're very similar decks, but they actually do quite different things. Um, so there was like there was that shenanigans for a while. Our our mono blue Karn deck had Gigantha as the commander commandion for a while. Just process that for a little bit. Um, so. Gigantha was very annoying. You would tap it and then untap it with the engine, and then it would have all this mana you just couldn't use because you really did not have that many things in your deck that didn't use generic mana. It was a very strange deck. But anyway, um, there was some crazy, like, there was a lot of mono red decks and a lot of neoforming. Uh, there were some Aetherworks Marvel decks including the card Flood of Tears, which is like an upheaval. It bounces everything. What? And if you bounce four of your own things, you get to put something into play. So Omniscience was involved in this combination of cards. 
Um, <laughs> this is that's uh, yeah. This is feeding my soul. Yeah, keep going. There, there is a lot of stuff. I kind of wish that we should just release any. We should release all deck lists that we just made during the week. It's probably pretty cool. Um, there was like a teamer almost Omnef list ramp deck. So like it was just the Omnef deck, but without Omnef. It's just a classic, <laughs> classic. Like oh, this this deck was busted. Let's see if it's still busted. Um, and then Sultai. So 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 all of the jank I just named. They weren't, it's not like we thought they were bad, but there wasn't really any indication like, oh my gosh, we broke it in any of those decks. But the deck they did sink the most time into was Sultai. And just because Sultai mid-range is just a go-to deck, like it, it had all the answers. Yusharn, which is the uh, green-white legendary four drop, um, interacts with like half the historic format. Uh, and it's just a good deck. It's just, I know green-white is not a Sultai card, but what they called it so um and uh, they actually never they didn't end up on sultai and neither did nick so that kind of tells you a little bit about historic um since nick is kind of in love with shark typhoon yeah um, i am yeah nick why don't you give us what, what you bring into this championship where are you going off with this yeah so uh, as i said earlier i'm playing mono green food and standard interactive sack and historic i i honestly thought that i was locked in to play sultai that's one of the reasons why I was so confident in just focusing on modern because I always have this historic deck to fall back on, and I thought Sultai would be good. Um, I thought that Yasharin would make it better, but the thing is, and I think I speak for some of my testing partners also. I, I tested with um, Caprins and uh, Tristan Wildlerue and Simon Nielsen and a couple of others for this event. Is that Yasharin didn't actually solve the um, the sacrifice deck matchup as much as we thought. Um, we ran Sultai a bunch of times against Rakdosak. And, you know, it definitely made the matchup better game one. And if you play it in game one, the game's basically over. But post-board, you end up having to bring in negates to protect your Yasharn because the, the Rakdos or Jun deck, they're just so full of removal that if you just play your Yasharn in turn four, there's no, like, there's no assurance that you're going to be able to untap with it and that it's going to have a meaningful impact on the game. So once, once I started losing post-board games, the sacrifice decks with my with my turbo pick deck, I just I just couldn't go through with it. I had to I had to switch to the the version of the Rakdosak deck that my team had put together. I like that, Caroline. When uh, when you look at the decks that you that you want to bring to this as well, and you're talking about the testing partners that you have, a question that I have with this as well is how much of how much of the results that you that y'all bring in your testing. How much do you get to look at and say, well, this was variance, or how much do you look at and say, this is a this is I think a, a solidified opinion of how this matchup goes? Because normally you'd say like, oh, well, you need like days, weeks, hours, months with a with a deck to really know how a matchup plays out. But when you're testing for something like this, you just have to sometimes trust your instincts and and, and that the instincts of your your testing team to tell you how a matchup's going to go, whether or not a deck is strong going into the format. Uh, it's is it is it how much of it is an exact science and how much of it is just testing in the instincts of the players you're working with okay so this is actually a pretty interesting topic because there were two different ways to test a theory during the like the week with, with the team one which is the least desirable way was to take a deck that you liked and try it on the ladder um, we all had uh, god accounts that all entered in at bronze so the majority of us wait you got a god account yes you did too nice try <laughs> you have to get it ready you need it for Friday. um 
So yeah, you got your God account and it came in at bronze. So we actually, a lot of us spent like Wednesday and Thursday last week, like mind numbingly having conversations while trying to get our account to like Are a you, spot. Were that... you just pub stomping bronze and silver players? I just like, goblins, oh, yeah. I goblins oh, yeah. my way through oh. the whole thing. I went from bronze, from bronze to mythic in two days. It was one of my like, one of my greatest achievements. Actually. That's why I haven't ranked up this whole time. Was I'm yeah. just going to blame on the fact that I was playing up against all y'all's testers. And sometimes you see against other Zendikar like god accounts in bronze and you'd be like oh gosh like let's one of us should just concede <laughs> like this is not worth it um so anyway so so once we were all in mythic this is the conversation it was if you had a deck idea you generally took it to the ladder to even think like does my deck function um so that was kind of the general like if you before you even bring it to the team does my deck function so matt and Ass's decks did not function very often so often they they stayed in the ladder they died in the ladder um, and then if you were doing well, or if you had some sort of like, I think I have something here, um, you could either reach out to one or two other people. In my case, like for the Black Red deck, I reach out to Ben White's because Black Red and Mono Red and stuff is his area of like love and interest and expertise. And so together we ran the deck through like a mini gauntlet of just like different known historic decks like Sultai and Goblins and such. And for those, you had... You could either do infinite matches, which you would get better data. So you can do like 15, 20, 100, whatever, and you'd get perfect data. But for us, honestly, we would do a couple. You just needed to get a feeling for what was happening. Um, so we did that for, for a lot of our deck ideas. And when they got through that, then usually they'd go to the team in like, we had a couple of different meetings throughout the week. And in those meetings, someone would say, hey, I've been playing this mono blue deck, and I don't actually think it's a joke. Can we talk more about it? So then we talk more about it and we usually take action plans like, okay, well, you're going to go test it against this matchup. Um, you're going to try it with this card instead of that card. Um, and then if we ever got to a spot with a deck where we actually thought it was legitimately like a real deal, then we would do much more intensive deck testing against each other. So that's when you would actually run the 10 set against Sultai, um, you know, all post-board games, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, that And that happened... It did happen, but it happened kind of rarely. Like there weren't many decks that made it to that kind of point of the the testing. Um, so to, to answer your question, like we do use the ladder, but it's you use the ladder to more feel confident that you have an idea to present to the team. <laughs> That's how I felt. And I don't think that you should use ladder data or win rate data or even tournament data to determine your deck. I think you need to use your intuition and just to confirm, you're not actually releasing this until like the weekend, right? And that's, I mean, you've challenged me to edit this as I see fit, so maybe I'll release it tomorrow. Who knows? No, yeah, the weekend. Okay, so good. You're hearing this after the tournament has already started. So here's the thing that I, I'm excited to share this with because I've done other stuff this week and I, it was coming out too soon. So here's the reason that you shouldn't listen to data. We've transitioned, by the way, but... I should say I'm playing Jun Food in Historic. I was, gonna, I was trying to figure out a way to segue into what you were yeah, playing for the I've, weekend. I'm playing yeah. Jun Food in Historic, and in Standard, which is what I want to talk about, I'm playing Gruul, which is not the team deck. And the reason I bring this up is because the team deck is Demir Rogues, Lurus Rogues. And this would surprise a lot of people if they live in the data, because in the data, Lurus Rogues loses has a losing win rate, according to those things that come out on Monday morning, and more specifically loses the Monogreen Food matchup which, hello, Nicholas. So, Nicholas, you're getting free information, so don't say anything. Um, <laughs> in theory, it is possible that our team has decided through some testing and through understanding um, 
and, and just a lot of playing with the deck, but they believe that result that's been coming out of a ton of different tournaments is just wrong, which is insane. I was sitting in these meetings being like, no, we like rogues beats food. And they were adamant and they would show us and they'd play the match and they'd play it over and over again with, you know, us playing on the other food side isn't, you know, so it wasn't just like playing on the ladder or something like they actually played on in team testing. And no matter what, well, not no matter what, in, in the way they played, they were beating food. And so I'm super curious to see this weekend if they're going to come out looking like geniuses where they took a matchup that was clearly described in one way and saying, I, this is wrong. This is not what our testing has said. We are going to prove it to you because we're bringing a deck that will be fighting against one of likely the most registered decks in the tournament, which is mono green food. And so they better put their money where their mouth is. Like They have to be right here. They brought a deck that is currently considered an underdog to that archetype. And I'm so curious to see if they can pull it off. If they can say, here's all the data, screw your data, here's us, we're going to do well with this deck. Um, whereas I was like, oh, I'll just play Gruul. <laughs> I'll just be over here. <laughs> I can actually, well, actually, I can't bleed Monogreen Food either, to be honest, but I'm hoping they all destroy you first. So, be good. <laughs> so sure. yeah, I, I think that the thing that's kind of cool is like, when you're picking a deck for a tournament, the most common thing that individuals or small teams do is they look at data. And I think data is important, but this tournament has taught me you need to make sure that you understand what the data is saying. Like, why is Rogues always losing to mono green food? And with a deck like Rogues, is there a reason that that's happening? And I think the answer is that there are three or four or 12 different ways to play the Luris Rogues deck, and one of them beats <laughs> beats Mono Green Food, so you got to figure out which one that is, and then you might get there. So, I'm kind of I'm really hoping that this actually proves out to be just a really cool assessment of the meta. So, yeah. Nick, going in going in on your side with the decks that you're playing, is there is there a matchup that you see that is traditionally unfavorable that you say no, there's a path to victory with this? That you you look at the decks that you're going to be bringing to this, and you know that there's some corner cases that you can dig into or that you are aware of that that feel good to you going into this uh this weekend well thanks for putting me on the spot having not tested much rescue <laughs> I, will, I will bring it back a little bit to the to the rakosak and sultai matchup because that was like something that really uh surprised me and that was the matchup that i tested the most so um usually like you, you you'd think that the Sultai deck, especially the four-color deck slashing for Yasharn, would have a really good matchup against the Sack deck. But I like what Caroline was saying about playing a certain way to beat a deck that might not be a good matchup at first glance. Um, you know, we found a way to, to sideboard and to just prioritize your threats in a way that made it very, very difficult for the Sultai deck to deal with, you know, each of your threats in turn. Um, we found we found a way to to make the deck a little bit more resilient to uh, Extinction Event. I think Scrapkeep Scrounger is probably like one of the top three cards from Kaladesh Remastered um, to help that that to help the aggro archetypes. And yeah, I think we basically sideboard into this more mid-range uh, deck packed with removal. We didn't even bring Thoughtseize in against Sultai, which I think is interesting. And that's something that, that I'm going to have to trust my teammates over because they said that we didn't need Thoughtseize to improve the matchup against Soldai. All we needed was to be able to kill uh, Yasharn and blank Extinction Event as much as possible. Gotcha. Last thing I want to touch on with this as well is 
both y'all have experience of, of playing in, in some relatively high stakes Magic the Gathering situations uh, where you know that there's there's a good amount on the line. There is folks watching you. There's folks analyzing you and your, and your gameplay and your choices and your decisions. Um, what do you do to prepare mentally going into an event like this, knowing that at any time you might uh, get, in, get the notice that, hey, you're going to be on stream and there's going to be a few thousand people watching your gameplay and there's going to be uh, experts and commentators actively dissecting uh, what it is that you're doing. Well, what the heck? <laughs> okay. You're, but you're going to do great, by the way. Okay, so here's, okay, legitimately, here's my, here's my strategy, and it is crumbling day by day. My strategy going into this tournament was to treat it as a fun experience that I got, that I'm getting to do with friends, and it doesn't have any level of importance. And this is the second time today that I've been like, oh, oh, go. Because, <laughs> I, okay, I'm being completely honest, the more people that say that, though I guess yours is a little bit better, but the more people that put pressure to do well is getting harder and harder to have fun and to just participate. I'm just saying. That's I'm excited. I think it's gonna be good, but I'm like being told like you got this or you're great or you're going to do well has been kind of stressful. I needed to filter. I, I filter it out and just change it to like thanks or okay. <laughs> you're absolutely right, though. I mean, even even in any competitive thing that I've done, uh, be it like card games of any sort or be it uh, any other activity that I do, is that the more that I just uh, focus on on diverting any of that that pressure or tension and just say, you know, I'm playing the game that I know how to play. I'm playing it against friends. I'm just doing what I do. And it doesn't, you know, the, the outcome and anything else doesn't really matter. I'm just going to have fun and enjoy myself the better I do uh, in that in that event or whatever it is that I'm competing in. And, and Nick, yeah. what's, what's, your, what's your thoughts when you go into that as well? Oh, I'm the complete opposite. I mean, I think <laughs> some of y'all in Sogoi have seen me stream like, random ladder matches or draft matches or whatever. And I, I punt so much when I'm playing on ladder. Like, I'm not even paying attention. But when when we get to the high-stake matches, high-stakes matches, I'm, I'm, I think I'm a relatively new addition to the, you know, to the high-level tournament scene. I, I, it's basically been 20, in 2020 that I've been able to participate in these events. I, I play so much better when I know that I'm on a feature match. I play so much better when I know that one more win will get me into the top eight that I just, I just love it. Like, I love... I love the attention. I love the pressure. I thrive in it, and I I really look forward to to getting the chance to be in a feature match this weekend against I don't know anyone, but hopefully LSV. That's really that's so that's so interesting because I, I I've been in like some really low stakes esports situations, and I find that the second I know that there's other people watching me do it. I'm overanalyzing. I'm overthinking. I lose sight of like what it is, even the purpose of what my deck was supposed to do in the first place. Where that's so interesting that in those situations, in that atmosphere, it helps you focus in and zero into exactly what you want to do. Yeah. So it's not like it's not like I'm I'm trying to play well because I want people to see me playing well. It's more like the fact that people are watching and the fact that I have a chance to be on coverage. It it really gets me to focus on what's important. Like I, I. I don't play well when there aren't high stakes, which is why I never make Mythic on ladder. So I just, I just love being in these high pressure situations where I can, you know, just be in this feverish state of focus and anxiety. It's not great for me after. Like I usually feel exhausted. I sleep for like fourteen hours after a tournament, but but in the moment, I feel great. 
So Caroline, the solution to this is every match that you play going into this championship, just just feel and get the sense that you and your and your opponent are both playing Grixis. You know what? That actually reminds me of a joke I made this weekend. Someone asked me what I was registering and like in my in my team discord and i didn't want to say yet so i was like oh i'm registering grixis i i met with braspy for three hours on saturday and after three hours i was convinced to play grixis but the good news is if i can find three more people to also register grixis and they find three more people each then i don't have to register grixis anymore it's true and we did we found so many people after after i spent a good Two hours strictly on confounding conundrum and the positives of playing it in in Grixis. Uh, I convinced so many other players to register that deck. So y'all are welcome. I've balanced the scales in your favor, uh, and I I wish you both the best as you go into that weekend. How y'all feeling? You ready for it? You feeling good? Uh, my anxiety levels are a little higher than usual. Anxiety is like a really big part of my um, like tournament ex- experience, and online tournaments have helped with that. I can kind of pretend I'm not on feature. Like if I just minimize the discord and kind of call it a day, I can talk myself out of the pressure, but um, I'm still fairly nervous about it. So, yeah. I mean, same, I, I'm, I'm nervous also. Um, I really, I really hope that I do well, but honestly, at the end of the day, I just want to say that I played well. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that, uh, you know whether or not you'll be on feature matches or not. I know that uh, Twitch chat and anyone else that's watching are gonna spam these mice for Nick Price and drink these martinis for the Muddy Linguinis. Uh, that's that's exactly what I think is going to happen. Uh, I know I'll be spamming that, and I know that everyone else listening to this podcast is gonna be spamming those things as well to make sure that we're rooting on for both y'all heading into the Zendikar Rising Championship. And regardless of the outcome, we both know that we'll walk away from it with some ideas of how we want to get better at the game of Magic the Gathering. And that's how we always want to finish off these podcasts, is to know what you are doing to get better at the game this week and where people can find you doing that at. Nick, let's start with you. Um, so uh, I was in my disc- I was in my testing Discord. It was about two hours before the deadline. It was, um, I want to say, like 9 or 10 a.m. where I'm at. And we were getting so close to the deadline. And I didn't know what I was going to play yet. So I just I just typed into chat. Um, I, I, I typed in, like, Trixon, one of my testing partners. I, I only met you last week, but I would trust you with my life. Just tell me what to submit, and I'll submit it. So the thing I'm doing to get better at Magic this week is to kind of trust my teammates and you know, focus on my game, but understand that other people can come up with something that I can, you know, get behind and be proud of at the end of the day. Nice. And where can people find you on the internet if they want to know how you're doing in the Zendikar Rising Championship? Yeah, cool. You can find me on Twitter at NXTradMTG. Fabulous. And Caroline, what are you doing to get better at the game this week? And where can people find you doing it? Oh, I'm, I'm winning a pro tour. Oh, great. That's all my notes say. Awesome. Yep, you're winning. Uh, Wait, I, I'm winning a pro tour. Yeah, but like, you didn't say it or, during the thing, so you're oh, not. Yeah, she got it first. It was implicit. Well, oh. to be honest, we've been tricked before, Nick. I believe we received a message saying, I will be on to talk about my Mox championship. So, <laughs> wow. I'm just saying. I'm just saying your hey, word's not good here. For okay? all you know, we're living in an alternate <laughs> timeline. Okay, that's what happened, all right? Something happened, a butterfly effect, a butterfly flapped its wings. And now we're and now we're at this point where both y'all apparently are winning a PT. Yeah, the butterfly was the third force of negation in my opponent's hand. <laughs> oh, that's good. That was a good one. 
you know, folks will have to go to uh, twitch.tv slash magic to watch that replay to get a sense of what he was talking about. And Caroline, besides winning a PT, what else are you doing to get better at the game and where can people find you doing it? But no, that was my thing. It that was your thing? You're just it? winning it? Okay. And people can well, find you doing it where? Oh, uh, on Twitter at MightyLinguini. Uh, M-I-G-H-T-Y-L-I-N-G-U-I-N-E. You can find me on Instagram at the Mighty Linguini, and you can find me on twitch.tv slash the Mighty Linguini. I stream on Wednesdays, not not this week. But I always have a magic guest, but we don't always play magic. I love it. I love it. And you know what? I want to get better at podcasting. And the oh. way that I can get better at podcasting is if folks leave us reviews on on any of the different podcasting uh, uh, applications that they listen to Friends and Magic from, be that iTunes, Spotify, whether it's any other platform that you use. Of course, you know that you can always find out more about our podcast by uh, following us on Twitter at Swagoy Gaming, S-W-A-G-O-I. You can also check out our website at swagoy.com, again, S-W-A-G-O-I. You can find out all about the different competitive teams that we have from Hearthstone to Magic to Valorant and otherwise from our content creators and other realms of the digital world. But most importantly, you can leave us notifications about what it is that you love about this podcast, what we can improve on. Maybe leave us some stars in that review as well because we surely will appreciate it. Yeah, maybe also say that you enjoyed uh, my guesting appearance on this podcast so that I don't have to top for a tournament to be invited on again next time. It's true, yeah. Otherwise, otherwise we put him back in the shed if he doesn't top for this end of mm-hmm. thing. So that's going to be important. So for the sake of Nick Price, can you please leave a review for the podcast and let us know just how fabulous all of us are, from Caroline to Nick to Conan Hawk, Eric Hawkins, and Mr. Toolshed, Sean Gallagher. Not so much the Brasky fellow, but he is he, he seems nice. That's a nice He's thing. He's all right. He's okay. But we know who's more than okay? <laughs> Our audience of listeners. Those, those are more than okay. They're fabulous. All tens to thousands to hundreds of you. We know you're all out there, and we know that we want to see you again. This next time around when we see you on Friends and Magic. Have a great one, everyone. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye.